Hey, I'm Michael Dorinda. And I am a sick and nasally Jake Bennett. And welcome to episode 42 of the North Meets South web podcast. Episode 42. Ever ever closer to that golden episode. Golden 50. Golden episode 50. We get a uh, like a golden play button from the uh, podcast, you know, governing body when you when yeah. hit episode 50. That's it. I don't know. You know, it's like there's a lot. Of, I feel like uh, I'm proud of the fact that we've been doing this for almost 50, 50 episodes. And really, it's slowed down a lot because, you know, we kind of cut it in half when we started when we took on uh, Laravel News podcast. So uh, I'm, you know, it, it takes uh, it takes some wherewithal. It takes doing this a lot of times when you really don't feel like doing it, which is tonight. That's one of those times I yeah. feel like absolute crap, but <laughs> we're going to do it anyway. <laughs> but we are committed. We are committed to we the will, cause. We'll push through. We'll push through. We will keep it short. Our last few episodes, especially because we've had random guests yep. on, has uh, have, have pushed out. So we'll, we'll try and keep this one short. Yeah. I know that uh, an hour plus is a lot to ask of our listeners to, you know, obviously to listen through and even even at uh, double speed, it, it can wear on a bit. So yeah, absolutely. Those of you that have stuck through us the last couple, where we appreciate it. Uh, we'll try and keep this one pretty short. I agree. Yeah, let's. Uh, I'm going to jump right into it here. So, I tried stimulus this week. Have you have uh-huh. you tried the base, JavaScript framework? The new, yeah, the JavaScript framework for the HTML you already have. And I bet you can probably guess why I did it. It's I'll tell you, I'll give I, you a hint. It's because of another podcast. Yeah, it's because of our friends over at the Dads and Dev podcast, right? Oh, close, close, actually. Or is it the Full Stack? That's it. Full there Stack Radio. Full Stack it? Radio, there you go. Yeah, DHH was on Full Stack Radio recently and was talking about stimulus and Adam was interviewing about that. And I was like, you know what? I've seen it out there. I should just give it a try. So I tried it out. Uh-huh. Yeah, Um it's interesting. It's very, very, um, it does some cool stuff for you and it's like super non-intrusive. I feel like it's really close to the metal. I feel like there's not a ton mm-hmm. of magic or crazy stuff that it does. It really just allows you to easily bind, you know, it, it makes things that I used to do with jQuery, it makes them easier to do with this essentially yeah so would you say that stimulus is kind of a half like a middle ground between using jquery and going into something like Vue or react i think so uh i'll I'll be honest i only probably got maybe like i think maybe like halfway or a little bit more than halfway through the tutorial and the really nice thing that it offers you is it offers you like controllers you know what i mean and it uses like actual Mm -hmm. ES6 syntax. So you have all the wonderful magic that you get when you start using ES6 and Babel and, or as they call it, Babel. I don't know what's the right way. Babel. Babel, whatever it's the right way. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know either. Babel, Babel, Um, whatever whatever makes you happy. Yeah, but you get all that stuff out of the box, right? And it transpiles down to previous versions so that everybody can use it. Um, So you don't lose any of that, which is great. You get, you know, uh, short function syntax, all that stuff. And you can still use that in you know, in that context, but then it just kind of like globs onto your page and it's, it does a little bit of magic, but not so much that you get lost in it. It's very, very simple. Uh, very, uh, you know, I was, I was halfway through the tutorial in like 20 minutes. So 
They make it really easy to nice. understand. Uh, I think like he pointed out in the uh, Full Stack Radio podcast, though, that using a combination of something like TurboLinks or what we might call like PJAX and using this together, using that combination really does give you something that is comparable to what you might be able to do in Vue or in React or something like that. Now, that is a very broad statement. That is not, that's probably not a fair statement. I would say that a lot of the things that, like a lot of the, uh, man, how do I want to say this? So like I was trying to think of like, okay, what's something that I'm currently doing in Vue that I could probably implement with Stimulus? Um, mm -hmm. So like I could render out to the page a full form, an actual form. And a lot of times what I'm doing is I'm just hiding or showing fields based on kind of like what my data model looks like in my view. And so you could totally do that with stimulus. That'd be not a problem at all. Cause you have like, you can see yeah. like data.target and that gives you the ability to stimulus will then kind of watch that for you. And then you can, um, you can kind of check the, check the values of that. And then you can do sort of like V uh, or not V action, but data action. And then you can listen for particular actions and call things based on those particular actions. So one thing that I need to clarify on here, I need to clarify, let me see here. I wonder if stimulus does sort of like a two-way binding. I don't know that it does. Managing state, that's kind of where I stopped was managing state. So that's, that's a bad place to have stopped. That's really where I'm, that's really what I'm looking at is, so you can read initial state from the DOM, persisting state in the DOM, wrap up and next steps. So the thing that I would really miss, I think is probably the two-way binding. Yeah, so still actually has some of the things that I, I that I don't particularly like about using the sort of jQuery model sort of stuff, which is that you constantly have to be checking mm -hmm. the state itself. The thing yeah. I like about Vue is that you just have a data model and you can access it and everything's reactive, right? The thing I don't like about yeah, it is yeah. having to maintain templates in two different locations, one on the server side, one in the view sure. side sort of things. So that's what mm -hmm. Stimulus really tries to avoid is having to write templates in two different locations and kind of trying to have to keep yeah. those in sync. So I totally get that, totally on board with that. I love writing stuff in Blade. Love it. It's great. I would, I would much rather live in Blade land and write all my templates there. Mm-hmm. But some of the things that Vue offers me, the mostly uh, fact that it's got reactive uh, or you know two-way binding, and then the fact that my DOM is actually yeah. a representation of a data model and not like, hey, make your controller keep checking the state of the DOM in order to know what things are, you know, where things are. That I don't miss that at all. Mm -hmm. I hated that about just doing yeah. everything in jQuery. That was so annoying. That was the worst thing in the world. And why yeah. I subsequently said Vue is like the stuff. So yeah. anyway, yeah, I, I need to play around with it a little bit more. But it was an interesting, it was an interesting experiment, kind of just to check it out and see what's, you know, uh, what it's doing and um, where can I implement it. I, I so I want to try and find a spot where I can use it. Uh, in our stuff and see if it makes sense for some of the things that we're doing where uh, we're previously using Vue. And I may actually be kind of moving back to some of the ideas that I used previously before I knew about Vue, which such as like anytime I have like a search thing, if it doesn't really, uh, and I'm still thinking about this, so I'm just talking a lot here, but I previously used PJAX quite a bit in order to render out like uh, searches. So yeah. I have like, you know, my DOM that would get created and then I would type in the search bar and then that would just resubmit a form basically to the same page with the with the filter on there with the search and then I would return the updated mm -hmm. DOM and I would just load that in via PJAX and that worked really well. 
It only had one spot yeah. to maintain yeah. that template. So I liked that. But the thing I like about Vue with that is that I can move that around. I can put that anywhere I want. I don't have to ever re-implement that thing. Mm-hmm. So because it's just a component. Yeah. So I don't know. It's trade-offs. It's all yeah. trade-offs. Absolutely. And it depends on where you want to use it. I mean, it's very it's a very heavy-handed thing to pull in Vue if all you want is the reactivity side of things. So being able to use something like stimulus to get that kind of functionality without having to pull in the full weight. And I say full weight. I mean, Vue is quite quite it's small by comparison yeah. with, with other things. But it also gives you, I guess, the kitchen sink in terms of like all of the functionality that you might never use, especially if you're dealing with just a simple app. And and this is where, you know, app by app, you've got to look at, do I need to bring in Vue because I always use Vue or can I use something like Stimulus or can I get away with just using, you know, TurboLinks, which I mean, on my own blog, it's it's quite light. I don't do anything crazy on there. So it's just TurboLinks just to make it seem like it's faster than it is. Is, uh, is that like a Laravel TurboLinks port kind of thing? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I'm, well, I don't remember now. It's been a little it's while not since, Ruby, I revisit, right? since I um, looked at it last. No, no, no. TurboLinks is just JavaScript. Right, right, right. But the way that the yeah. kind of the way that the server kind of uh, intercepts the headers and figures out what what stuff to return and whatnot. That's right. Yeah, yeah. it's probably just some sort so of middleware plugin or something for Laravel. Hijacks the yeah, it just hijacks the request and then makes an AJAX request to to swap out the the DOM rather than doing a full full page yeah. refresh. Yeah. So <clears throat> anyway, it's always um, I always love listening to DHH because. I feel like they come up with these really innovative ideas because he literally just doesn't give a flying anything about what yeah. anybody thinks. Yeah. Like he's like best practices don't care. Like what is the problem? What would be the ideal solution for me regardless of what anybody else would mm. think? What makes the most sense and what makes the code look the best and make me feel happy at the end of the day? Right. And like, I don't, there's, it's a special, unique sort of person who can do that, who can literally divorce, who can know all of the best practices and know the patterns and know that everything and say, okay, great. That's just information though. Like that doesn't guide my decision. Like it's just information. And then be able to step back and look at the problem critically and say, what's the best solution for my team? What am I going to feel best about at the end of the Mm day? And then they make that decision and great. There we go. Like, I think that's a good thing for me that, you know, I always like, I learned that lesson again and again when I'm watching or listening to him do that. And I'm like, okay, you know what? Like I need to be careful. I don't fall into this trap of like, well, this is what everybody's doing right now. So that's kind of how we're going to structure our code. And regardless of if it makes sense or not, you know, it's like I fall trap sometimes or fall prey to the trap of, uh, you know, just kind of not thinking critically and just doing what everybody's doing. Uh, and so a lot of times you, yeah. you come back six months later and you're like, what the heck was I doing? Why did I do that? That made that so much more complicated and so much worse than what it would yeah. have been if I just would have taken this much simpler implementation of it. Yeah, this this is another, I guess, battle that I see Taylor coming up against a lot is is interfaces in the framework. He tweeted the other day that he wanted to revisit being able to do like value object casting inside of of eloquence so we've got the the casting where you can use the primitive types you can do integers and and booleans and dates and things like that and he was looking at revisiting a pr from a while ago where he was considering bringing in object casting uh, so that you could pass in like a value object for an address or for a phone number or something like that and have eloquent take a raw string out of the database and convert it into a value object. So that, that then gives you some 
um, functionality on top of that. So you've got the ability to get a formatted address or whatever. I thought that was really cool, um, by the and, way. And I had never seen that. I, I never saw that uh, that like yeah. idea pop up. Like So that was the first time I'd seen it when he tweeted that out. So I thought that was really cool looking. Anyway, mm. go ahead. But a, a lot of that that pull request devolved into sort of Taylor against everyone that was commenting on it, just fighting about, you know, having to have interfaces and things like that. And I think there's, there's like two ways of thinking about that. It's like the quote unquote right way. And it must have an interface because you want it to have these two different methods. And there's the adding an interface doesn't really add any value to to this approach so why would we create an interface just for the sake of having the interface yeah so there are you know th- those people adam does it taylor does it, obviously dhh does it you know that that will understand the the approaches and things like that but still choose to i guess go against the grain when it makes sense and a lot of people they sort of want to they want to basically die on that on that hill yeah. saying you know we have to have an interface because reasons yeah um, and and Taylor's uh, Taylor's um, very staunch. Is that the right staunch. word? Taylor always goes to staunch. Yeah, he's always always asking. You know, show me with code how this makes it definitely you know categorically right. better having an interface as opposed to you know these two methods just have to exist on this object, and if they don't, then you get an error. And it's not like this error makes it through to production anyway. You document it, say these two methods have to exist, and you know, if the framework tries to call that function, it's not there. You get an error. You add the function, and then you know. Right. So there's pros and cons uh, to both approaches, and and Taylor's main argument in that particular instance was that having an interface just moves where that error is instead of the framework, uh, instead of PHP or even your IDE if you're using an IDE saying you know you haven't implemented this method. You just yeah. get the try to call a method that doesn't exist. And so... And somebody was saying, they were like, know, well, the what, reason why you should have interfaces for all this is because then you can just like create your own and like your IDE will like stub out those methods for you. And it's like, well, if you're if you're writing the code like that because of your IDE, like that's incorrect. Yeah. Like, no, that is not how this works. Yeah. So that's the wrong yeah. reason to write yeah, the code always, that way. Exactly, yeah. Any Anytime I see someone arguing that it makes my IDE behave better. You know, I need to add doc blocks with um, at param notate, you know, annotation in there because it makes my IDE behave in a way that they expect it to. You're right. It is it is the wrong way. That's not a good reason to to do that. Correct. That's a, that's and, a preference. And, and if you prefer have to that, remember, that's totally fine. Yeah. Like that's totally fine to prefer yeah. that. You are absolutely allowed to prefer that. But you should not be able to force that upon somebody else as some way of better practice because you yeah. prefer your IDE to, to do that for you. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Correct. And a lot of people <laughs> in particular in, in our community, not not everyone uses an IDE. Correct. A lot of people are just using Sublime Text or they're using Atom or they're using Code. And whilst these tools have, or Vim, whilst all of these tools have a reasonable level of integration, I wouldn't say write code to make the IDE better because, you know, it's it's not necessarily better for 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 better or worse, you know. Yep, I do. Yeah. Is, is, have you uh, been able to listen to the latest full stack episode? Uh, the one with... DHH. The, the one with DHH? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have and I'm probably worth having another he listen. He speaks a little bit um, to this whole I, thing. I do oh, like... Yeah. This idea of, you know, show me the code and it's really kind of why they started these mm-hmm. new YouTube series that are going on. Yeah. 
him kind of like with the writing good software sort of thing. And uh, Jason mm-hmm. with, uh, I think, more like user, free, yeah, yeah. user experience and, and the design and things like that. Because it's like, you know, he talks about like all these patterns definitely have their place. And I'm, I mean, here's the deal, people. You're going to hear me say this. I'm going to slaughter it. And uh, I am not qualified to make these <laughs> statements. However, DHH is. So I'm going to suggest you go listen to this full stop, full stack episode. So, but basically what he says is, you know, all these patterns, like they weren't created in a vacuum, like they definitely have a place, but they're all explained and as, as they must be correct, right? Cause they're going to be explained in you in a book is they're explained in like this very like trivial manner. Like here's this little piece of code that this always works with. And then what he said is, you know, these patterns, uh, get put into a real world world situation where you have 40 different considerations for that particular piece of code that have to be considered at the same time. And those patterns start to break down. He's like, you may in fact have two patterns that apply to the same piece of code that are competing, com- competing patterns. Like they accomplish different things or they, you know, they can't both exist at the same time. So how do you find a resolution to those things? Yeah. So yeah, I, I'm envious. Someday I will be there. Someday I hopefully, right? Someday I will be there where I will be able to know that information and apply it correctly and be able to understand those trade-offs. But it's just it's um it's unfortunate how militant some people become when they, they have this tiny piece of the puzzle and they think they've got it all figured out and uh you know yeah. whatever. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean I'm working in a code base at the moment. Uh, that I inherited from a former colleague uh, as as a parting gift, I guess, <laughs> after leaving my last job. And nice. look, there are there are there are no patterns. There's there's a lot of inconsistency in the code base. There's duplication of like there's different. You can see that the code was written at different stages of learning Laravel, and so there's different approaches intermingled in there. But at the end of the day the code does what it needs to do exactly and so you can have all the patterns and and structure and whatever in the world but as long as the code does what the client needs it to do then the client who is paying for you to do the work doesn't doesn't care and the client is you know your internal customers it's your business now obviously building product for you know building a product for your business is different than agency style work where you're building lots of different products for lots of different customers but at the end of the day you know it's the customers that that only ever see the end result so yeah with uh with sort of the work that we have to do it is it is very much like worth your time and worth your while to try and make that code that we're writing as easy to understand as possible because we will be the people who come back in six months and have to revisit this and change it client Mm. work is a little bit different you may depending on the type of relationship that you start with this client, you may or may not be that person who's coming back. Right. And you certainly don't want to be irresponsible and write garbage code. Yeah. But at the same time, you can kind of get away with a little bit, you know, it's more like, okay, we need to get this project done and on, you know, on, you know, on budget and on time. And, um, I guess I, I would understand making a few more tiny shortcuts. I, that sounds horrible to say, I guess yeah. more than that, I'm saying, and in, in particularly when you are building like internal tools that you are going to have to be maintaining over a long period of time, yeah. it's very much worthwhile to, you know, make sure you're doing really good code reviews 
and get a second mm-hmm. set of eyes on it because that's exactly what it's going to feel like when you come back to it again in six months. So like if I have to put my yeah. second set of eyes on it and be like, I just feel, I don't understand what this code is doing here. Guarantee that's going to happen next time you need to modify that code. So make sure it's really explicit and really clear and really clean. And that's what mm-hmm. you're going for. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not so much, did this follow the best practice or did this pattern really get uh, fleshed out here? It's more like how well can you understand the code when you're looking at it with a fresh set of eyes. And that's, that's really, really important. Agreed. Okay. So uh, somehow we got to that from stimulus, but uh, anyway, yeah. So stimulus, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta, I gotta finish out the tutorial there, but I'm excited to try it out. It's the first kind of new JavaScript thing I've tried in a long time. Vue, mm. I've, you know, I've been doing Vue for a while now and I'm pretty comfortable with it. I've been really happy with it, but there are certainly some situations where I feel like it's eh, a little bit of overkill you know? And so, uh, yeah. anyway, it was just refreshing to try something new, a little bit lighter weight. It was fun. Yeah. It's, it's always nice to, to be able to try something new, but this, uh, this is something actually that came up in the most recent syntax FM podcast with, uh, with Wes Boss and Scott Talinsky, where they were talking about sort of keeping up with trends and, you know, when you get into your little Twitter echo chamber and you're following all of these people and all they're doing seemingly is trying new things and, and new technologies and things like that, it's hard to, sometimes you have to put yourself, put it all into perspective for yourself. Like if you don't need those things, there's, there's no point in necessarily burning the candle at both ends just to, to try and keep up. I'll link it up in the show notes so you can have a listen for yourself if you haven't already. Ultimately, I think it's really important just to to understand your limitations in terms of time and, and other things going on in your life and whether or not, you know, you need to look at every single piece of technology that comes out. Similar to how like um, Basecamp handles feature requests and those sorts of ideas, like they say, what do they say that you don't need to maintain like a feature list or a to-do list? Now, obviously, I don't think they mean that literally. Mm-hmm. I obviously do think that they probably have a backlog of product ideas. In fact, I know they do because they said once they have a large enough set of new ideas that can't be applied to like their current code base, then they make a new version of Basecamp, right? So yeah, I know they have them, but the idea was they make the feature stand on the porch, the front porch in the rain for three days kind of thing with this idea that yeah. um, not every feature that gets requested gets gets in in the door. And the idea that you don't need to keep a, a list of things, to, of features to do because your users will be your reminder. Right, the ones you hear over and over mm-hmm. and over and over and over and over yeah. again, right? And sort of like, as your life gets more busy, I feel like when I was younger, I had more time. Like, and depending, just on kind of yeah. age, really doesn't have so much to do with it. It's more like the context, like what situation you are in life, or what's you know what's your current position in life. Yeah, and just kind of as it is, you know, as your career advances, your career is going to end up taking more of your time. Uh, if you if you're a married individual, you know, depending on the type of relationship you have with your spouse, a lot of times that will end up taking additional time. You know, just not like begrudgingly or anything. It just does, right? It's, marriage takes time. It, it just does, yeah. yeah. And yep. as you have children, that that's obviously going to take time as well. So you do have to be really, you have to be more decisive about what sort of technology you want to spend your time on, and you can utilize the the, the stack of developers, like the people who do have more time. And those people who are kind of like not more junior necessarily, but again, kind of in just a different context than you in in, the, in your life. Uh, yeah, you fo- different stage. Yeah, in life, yeah, yeah. You follow those people, and they'll kind of be your filter a little bit. So the stuff that ends up being the things that you need to learn about, are the things that you keep hearing about and keep hearing about and keep hearing over a long period of time, right? So you don't necessarily need yeah. to invest that time on the upfront. 
But if there's something that you hear about over a long period of time, after, you know, it's kind of gone through its initial phases of like, okay, it's gone through version one, two, and three super rapidly, you know, you know, you know if you kind of wait it out and become a late adopter rather than an early adopter, a lot of times the tools that need to be in place to make it way easier have been built already by those kind of those early adopters who have recognized the early problems of the frameworks. And so now you kind of jumping into it late in the game, there's going to be more documentation. There's going to be more education around it. There's going to be more blog posts mm-hmm. and video tutorials for people who have kind of figured out the problems for you. And as a result, your learning is going to be much more rapid than if you were one of the people who are on the front end. Now, Kind of the disadvantage is that those people who are in the very front end up gaining a following because they are the front runners and the front leaders. But again, depending on the context of your life, where you are currently, you may or may not have the time to keep up with that anyway. Like if you were to gain that sort of following, there's sort of a understanding that you're going to continue to output quality content and you may or may not have the time to do that. So uh, it's been yeah. it's been a good lesson for me to learn, you know, as I have more kids and as I have less time to kind of spend on this stuff, you know, on occasion, I'll have time like this to just spend on a fun thing like stimulus, whatever. But view was definitely one of those things. I waited it out for a while before I before I tried it. Yeah. out. And when I did, I tried it out on an open source framework sort of first. So I mm-hmm. could kind of see a, a put together example I think It was in Confomo. I looked at that and was like, okay, that's interesting. That's how they're doing that. And then I kind of went from there mm-hmm. and kind of in, in, uh, put it into my own projects. So very good. I was going to say the one other thing that's really no, fun. About, that. <laughs> the one other thing that's fun about Vue is that you can just drop it onto the page. You don't have to like install. You know, that was the thing that was really nice about Vue. Is you can just literally drop the Vue script on your page and start right there. You don't have to have a build yeah, system no, in place. Like I haven't, I haven't. Yeah, I haven't used React, but like with React, there's a lot of getting up and running with it. Is my understanding that you've got to compile it all and use use some build chain to get some usable JavaScript. Yeah, thankfully that's becoming less and less difficult. They've got some there's so many really cool tools tools out there to allow you to get like up and started with these like hello world examples super fast. So, uh mm-hmm. what is it? On on the stimulus one, they give they give you a um oh, on glitch. You know what glitch is? I do not. So, glitch is like a code editing platform sort of thing. I honestly don't I, I can't even tell you that I know what it is really that well, but it's um <laughs> You can collaborate on code together. Uh, it's, you know, think okay. of it like CodePen. So they have a stimulus starter page. Let me think mm-hmm. of the best. So like JavaScript bin, that idea yep, where you yep. have like, you know, you have the JavaScript, the CSS, the HTML, whatever, all of that. Or you kind of have a separate window for each of those. Well, with Glitch, you kind of have like mm-hmm. a left-hand side and you can have like folders and different types of files. You can have HTML files, you can have CSS files, you can have JS files, you can have a Babel RC file, you can have a package.json file and it will do, it'll handle all of it and set you up a little environment mm-hmm. to develop in. And then you can kind of hack on that together with other people. So it's nice because the starter kind of tutorial with stimulus, they say, just click here. And you click there and it gives you a little starter yeah. package. You don't have to install anything. You can just run it right there. And then it, if you click a, a second button, for show live, you can have a separate window open and it will just, it'll do basically what it would do if it was like a uh, browser sync. As you change your code, it'll auto refresh that, that other page. Nice. So it's, yeah, it's, it's really cool. It uh, makes it really easy to start with some of those things. Yeah. Which I'm assuming they would have something like that for react as well. I know they do. Andrew's told me about it, but I can't remember what it is. Sure. Just on that reloading stuff, have you used any, I know that browser sync was something that was quite prominent in sort of Laravel Elixir have you used have you used that in 
mix now. There's there's this hot thing as well. Does that I've used both because hot re- reloading is the hot reloading just to like reload the bits that you're changing on the page. Yes. So hot hot reloading is um. So if you have like a view component or you have multiple view components that are kind of composed together on a page or whatever, you know, as you change it, what ends up happening, which can be annoying sometimes, is you modify it. Then if you're running npm run watch or something like that, it will recompile the code, but then you have to refresh it, right? So npm run hot just will automatically re-inject those pieces of the javascript so it kind of like exactly like what browser sync did when it was just html npm Mm -hmm. run hot does hot swap reloads i guess with just the different pieces and then the really cool thing too is that it maintains (laughs) the state in between those reloads so like if your application is currently in a state where like you're halfway through and you recognize something and oh i need to change that you can go modify it it will run the it will run the hot reload and it'll inject it in there while maintaining the state of your application which is really cool that is very handy because I always find myself, as you say, re- refreshing the page because I've made a change to yeah. some JavaScript and then yeah. having to remember how to get back to where I was before I changed it. So I might have to look at that at some stage. Yeah, it's it's pretty neat. And I mean, honestly, it's it's annoying sometimes when you're, even when you're working with something like browser sync, like when it was just like with HTML, because sometimes I'll do like modification of the CSS inside my dev tools or whatever you know and then i'll have browser mm-hmm. sync turned yeah. out i'll change some html on the page and then it refreshes and loses all my <laughs> yeah. css changes like dang it and you lose those changes yeah, yeah. that's how i develop though i i change things up like i'll write the css and then i'll open up inspector and i'll change things until they look Correct. right and then i'll go and change Absolutely. them in my css the thing is like chrome dev tools actually has tools to be able to write those back to your source files uh, it's called workspaces huh. um and right. you can set it up pretty easy uh but i just haven't done it ever <laughs> which is ridiculous i don't know why um but yeah you can just basically map those resources that are pulling in you can say hey here's the workspace where those live and then when you modify them on your chrome dev tools it'll save them back to your to your local um directory uh so it'll persist them huh. yeah and it'll work through sas files and everything too since you're, if you're using source source files um for like your compiled css and javascript you can modify them right in the browser and it'll it'll uh you know modify them locally too that is kind of cool and seeing as we're talking about modifying and changing css and because we haven't given them the love that they deserve in our last couple of episodes spotsy has a really good laravel mix purge css package really and for those of you yeah for those of you that don't know purge css is a tool that is based on oh post css yeah, it's a post CSS plugin, I believe, but it's it's a it's a successor to Purify. It is a oh, okay, it is okay. a successor. Yeah, it was originally thought of as version two of Purify CSS. So for those of you who don't know what this is, essentially what you can do and and with this package that Spatsy has has created is it's just a Laravel Mix plugin that you can include. Um, so you require it at the top of your webpack.mix.js file, and then you just add .purge CSS. And what this will do in in production builds, not in your dev builds, is it will look at your CSS resources. It will look at your Blade resources. And when you compile down your production assets, what it will do is it will go through all of those Blade files and CSS and JavaScript files. It will look for all of the CSS that you are using and then it will strip out any other CSS that you are not using. 
So if you, for example, are using Bootstrap or if you're using Foundation or if you're using Bulma or if you're even using something like Tailwind, it will figure out which bits of those frameworks you're not using and it will just strip them out of your compiled CSS. And this is a really, really good way to get your, you know, un uncompressed, you know, 200 kilobytes of JavaScript down to a compressed three or four kilobytes of JavaScript of only the CSS that you need. Yeah. So it is a huge reduction of of classes that you're not using. And and it is literally require the the pack like install it with npm, require it in your webpack.mix.js and then just run dot purge CSS as part of your um, mix fluent chain. And whenever you run npm run production, it will it'll run and handle all that for you. Um, I I had been using it when I was playing around with Tailwind previously. I had another project that I was working on this weekend, which which was using Bootstrap, and I thought just for just for shits and giggles, I would throw it in there and see if it worked. And it reduced my un, uncompressed JavaScript from eight hundred kilobytes, uh, uncompressed CSS from eight hundred or so kilobytes down to one hundred and forty. That's awesome. So obviously, once. I know that's crazy. And once it goes into production and then it gets gzip from um you know nginx that'll come down even further. So a really cool, really simple tool to use does a lot to for you know very little effort. Um and and ultimately it will give you much better performance of those assets. And then you know they'll load faster, it's less memory being used to to store and cache that on the client side. And yeah, big wins from little effort. Yeah, so we'll look that up yeah. in the show notes, obviously. But Sebastian Dedane, I believe, was responsible largely for for writing that package. But yeah, we'll we'll link that up. Maybe one day it'll find its way into Mix. I think Jeffrey Way was talking about it a little while ago as well. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. This is kind of exactly like what I'm talking about when I'm talking about using that filtering of like when do I need to get in involved and jump into this. So like I heard this. A while ago, right? About purge CSS, and I'm still, I'm still kind of on the outside of like the Tailwind thing. I love the idea of Tailwind. There's so much cool stuff like with yeah. Tailwind, and I want to get involved with it. I'm just biding my time mm -hmm. a little bit right now. Like I know that Adam's working on a component thing and kind of like themes and, and that sort of stuff, and it's not like I've really had the time yet to jump into it anyway. But I'm, I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting for a little bit longer yeah. and it, it does hurt because you're like, oh man, all these people are talking about it. There's so much cool stuff yeah. and you really, really want to, but it's like, man, you just gotta, you just gotta know when the right time is. And there is no really, yeah. uh, it's a, it, the right time is different for everybody, but yeah. And, and again, for you and the kind of stuff that you're doing, it's easier to just have those hand-rolled components uh, to have those pre yeah. predefined components in, in a bootstrap and just use them. As opposed to figuring out, you know, what all your buttons are going to look like and how to re-implement form components and things like that. Because end of the day, you just want to have a consistent interface. And and all of your stuff is already bootstrapped. So I don't know why you would necessarily swap everything over to Tailwind. Because at that if you're gonna swap it all over, you may as well swap it to Bootstrap 4 and then keep all of that consistent look and feel that your, you know, your stakeholders and your customers are already familiar with. Yeah. Yeah. So like by not jumping in early on this post CSS train and this purge CSS train stuff, it's like, you know what, somebody ended up developing exactly what I would have needed to make anyway. And now I can just use it yeah. for free pretty yep. much. I mean, other than a postcard to Spassi. Yeah. Thank you, Spassi. That's it. Um, I was going to say this is a little bit shameful, but 
<laughs> in the uh, in the spirit of rapid application development, on some of these pro- on some of my projects that I've been working on recently, like two projects in particular that I'm thinking about, there have been projects where I'm like, okay, I just need to get this started and get something on the page, like prototype. I use mm-hmm. welcome.blade.php. I literally just inline yeah. my script, inline my styles. I will usually do script stuff like in in mix because it's so freaking easy and because the components are already set up in my yeah. resources. And so I'll just like do a copy of the example component and just, you know, whatever. So that's easier for it's still easier to do that for the JavaScript stuff. But like with CSS or whatever, I, I just chuck it all on the same page and just start and just go. And yeah. Yeah. Until it gets to the point where I'm like, okay, this is painful now and now I'm gonna swap it out. And that's that's totally fine. But mm-hmm. For the two projects that I've been working on, literally, I haven't hit that point yet. I'm still just yeah. working in welcome.blade.php. Um, I take it back for one of them. For for one of them, I, I swapped. I started moving stuff out because it got to the point where it was a little bit. I needed a couple different pages, and so I had to kind of extract mm-hmm. something. But even at that, I think I just like really quickly like put a, a put a yield content tag in the like welcome.blade kind of thing, and then just said, okay, extend. <laughs> It was yeah. stupid, but it's like, honestly, it, it doesn't, I mean, it matters at some point, at some scale, it matters, yeah, at some but they're point, still yeah. just toys. So it doesn't matter, right? It's not yeah. worth spending the time to yeah. do it sometimes. Well, I mean, you say that, but laracon.com.au is all welcome.blade.php. Yeah. And as I was, as I was building that, I, I started to put in some blade components, like for the speakers and for... No, I think it was just the speakers. I started putting in some blade components and I thought, you know, I don't know why I'm extracting this because literally the only place I'm using this is in this one place. Yeah. So I just loop through all of the speakers and display. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This, That's the same true. HTML. This... So, yeah, it's a, it's a good point, Ray. It's like start start simple and extract when it, when it hurts. Yeah. And also like get you know do the thing that gets you excited and gets you momentum like don't spend your first like part of your project like getting all the boilerplate crap set up like that's the easiest way to demotivate yourself yeah. and make sure you don't get that project started if you just have an yeah. idea or writing interfaces yeah yeah writing interfaces exactly and i i would say like if you have an idea i know that like we've this is a a topic of conversation where it's like first get a landing page which i think is a genius idea because you know you have i've had to have this discussion a couple times with people recently where they're like, oh yeah, let's do this. This sounds great. I was like, okay, how many people are they going to use that? We're like, well, they're like, well, I'm sure it'll work. It's worked over here. I'm like, okay, how are you going to distribute that? <laughs> how are you going to distribute that? How are you going to get, you know, like, do you think you can get a thousand people to sign up for that page? They're like, oh man, I don't know. Where would we find those people? I was like, good question. You should probably figure that out before yeah. you spend all the time to develop that thing. Like, you, it is because yeah. literally... Nobody cares how cool your thing is if nobody knows it's it exists. You got to figure out yeah. the, the the distribution before you ever start your idea, because otherwise you're sunk from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And the, the so this is one yeah. particular place that I've done some work for that does that. They do that. There's like this is a great idea. Let's do this. And I'm not going to complain about yeah. it because like sure yeah I'll do that. But it's like you have to help them think sometimes. <laughs> like okay you got to. Figure out distribution. What what are you doing? You know who are you who are you selling this to? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was something else. What was I gonna say, dude? I I seriously I like you're gonna talk about my awesome HomePod. Yes, that too. I have sick brain though. Like my <laughs> sick brain uh, doesn't always. Is that 
Is that like baby brain? It's like baby brain. Yeah. My my wife, this is one of the the very few things that I remember, but my my wife once told me, and this was before she was pregnant, that baby brain is not a thing, that people just make that up. So of course, the one thing that I have remembered now that she is pregnant is that baby <laughs> brain is not a thing. <laughs> oh, it all comes back to bite you. Make fun of those pregnant people, I tell you That's what. It. No mercy. No mercy. <laughs> tell tell me about this home pod. So I saw you got that the other day. It looks pretty cool. Yeah, I was I caught up with a friend for for coffee the other day and I, I had to drop him back home and his house was on like the other side of the Apple store. So I said, you know what, let's go and have a look. Because I, I had a look at the, the home pod. <laughs> Just previously. gotta have a look. And I'm like and I'm That's like, how oh, they get you. I want to go and have a look at it again. That's how they get yeah. you. Yeah. I wanted I wanted to get something for the nursery, just like as a speaker to have in there. So this is probably not it. If don't 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 do what I did. Don't buy a HomePod for your nursery. I'm glad you recognize that. It's too that. expensive. <laughs> I, I knew that, but I'm like, oh, I could buy two of the Sonos speakers and have one in the nursery, and then have one somewhere else in the house. But um, I I went in there and I had to listen to it, and it is it's expensive, yes, uh, but. For the size, and if you compare it to the other devices on the market, so if you look at the Echo or the Google Home or the um, the Sonos speakers or even the new Sony ones that have just come out, they are inferior to the to the HomePod. Like the sound on this thing is ridiculously good. I've uh, um, yeah, I've seen the, the the reviews all say the same. Yeah. So, I mean, it only works. To my understanding, it only works with Apple Music, which is fine because I'm all in with Apple Music. It works quite well with our HomeKit connected like bulbs that we already had. So, you know, I can get get it to turn the lights on and off in, in the family room and that, which is where we've got it set up at the moment. So obviously once it goes into the nursery, it'll be not good for that thing. But you just walk into the kitchen, you ask siri to dj for you and off she goes so that's pretty cool yeah and and that's that's something that i didn't know if you ask it to dj for you which is which is something that works with 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 your phone and ipads and whatever other devices you've got assuming you've got apple music is it will actually put together a pretty decent mix of music if you just ask siri to dj for you so yeah, something to keep in mind. You'll note that I avoided saying the the proper trigger for it, though. So nice. if anyone else has any Apple devices, hopefully they didn't all go off at once for you. Nice. <laughs> I've got the Google Home. I've got the two Google Home Minis. One of the Home Minis is in the nursery upstairs, and it works great for that. So it's plenty loud enough in that tiny little room for, for I have to turn it to about 30% volume, uh, the little Google Home yeah. Mini is. It's a little bit tinny, of course, but like, who cares? We're playing nursery rhymes in there, or not nursery rhymes, but little nursery yeah. songs in there. Uh, the Google Home downstairs, mm-hmm. even when it's 100%, it's still not really enough to fill the space. I looked yeah. at the Google Home Max at Best Buy yesterday, and I just don't know if I'd want that in my house. It's huge. It's huge. Yeah. If it wasn't so big, I would totally <laughs> consider getting one. Well, that and it's like, 400 bucks, and the hardware isn't as good as the HomePod. But I'm already kind of in the Google Home mm-hmm. train. So I kind of feel yeah. like I'm going to be forced to get one at some point because <laughs> our kids love to have dance parties. It's like their favorite thing in the world. So we we have like dance parties probably every other day. Like they've got we've got a fireplace yeah. in our living room now. And so they take turns like standing out there and just dancing and lip syncing to the music that we have on. And then it's so funny. It's just good times. So 
I'll have to I'll have to get a big speaker at some point, but it'll probably end up being a Google Home Max just because I'm already I'm already there. And you know what? So the other thing, you're in this. Yeah, I, I'm I'm in there. Even though I'm like an Apple guy, I've got Apple everything. But the nice thing is, so like from that from the Google Home, you can tell it to play to like a Chromecast or whatever, which we have in the in mm-hmm. the other room. Um, you can uh, you can set the music from your phone and then like you don't have to continue being on you don't have to continue streaming it from your phone for it to play there you can just yeah. it'll just yeah play it so mm-hmm. like that's nice so i can like set up from my phone i can say uh, set the nursery music to be this and then i can set the downstairs music to be this and then i can go watch a yeah. movie on my phone it doesn't matter yeah and it, you yeah. can also you know wire all of them together so like i have a i have uh mm-hmm. two google homes downstairs a, a regular size one and a mini and I networked them together to be main floor so I can say play whatever on main floor and it will just play it across them and sync them which is cool so I know that's coming in airplay too for the Google home pod or I'm sorry the Apple home pod yeah uh, so luckily <clears throat> luckily for me by the time that comes out I probably won't be able to afford to buy another one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah uh, expenses will be tired yeah yep they'll be set in stone at that point well, speaking of uh, oh, yeah. speaking of children, I just heard one of mine wake up, so I'm gonna I'm gonna have to head upstairs and and uh, my wife is really sick right now too, so I'm gonna have to man the uh, man the stations, and get those kids this, back. This to is sleep. something I'm not looking forward to. Like I don't get sick, but I hear these tiny little disease creatures that you <laughs> you spawn yeah. just like they get you sick all the time, oh. and it's like mum's sick, and then mum recovers, and then dad gets sick. And it's been a month of like I'm hoping this. my immune system holds up. Yeah, I hope I hope my immune system holds up, but I don't I don't want that. No, <laughs> just bouncing like especially when they go to school yep. and they pick something up from kids at school exactly. and then it just goes through in one big circle. You got it. Yeah. No, a couple of weeks ago, like I think two weeks ago, we took three of the three of the four in. It's like we had to get a chest X-ray, we had to get steroids for one, we had to get antibiotics for the other. It was just a mess. And then it's like, <sighs> okay, that was two weeks ago, and now everybody's kind of feeling better. And then my wife just got really sick and. Another one of mm. ours are getting is getting sick again, and I just got sick this week, so it's it's uh it's been rough, but we're we're doing okay. There's, yeah, still lots to be thankful Good. for. <laughs> so yeah, all right. I think I mean yeah. you're all still here, so that's the exactly important thing. exactly. All right, folks. Well, we promised to keep this one short. It's still 49 minutes uh, has been gone by. Uh, it's always good to talk to you, Mr. Dorinda. We always have much to talk about. Same to you. Thanks for everybody for listening. Uh, this was episode 42. Is that right? 42? All right. I got it. Uh, show notes for this episode will be at northmeetsouth.audio slash 42. You can catch up with us on Twitter at Michael Dorinda, at Jacob Bennett, or at North Meet South. If you like this episode, please feel free to rate us up in iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. Michael is smiling, which means I probably got something wrong. North South Audio? At North South at Audio. North South Audio. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. Uh, yeah, I think that's it. I think that's all of it. I think I got it. Don't forget to rate us up. Yeah. Five stars. There you go. Don't don't give us anything less than five stars. But if you do, if you do give us five stars, we will read your review on the show. So we will. Yeah. If you give us one star, we'll probably you know what? We'll probably read all reviews on the show if you want to give us one. But uh, yeah. Yeah. We'll certainly talk about you if you give us one we star. Will. I guarantee it. And if you know anybody who's looking for a development job in central Illinois, send them to me. Send them to me. We're hiring another developer and I would love to get some uh, quality candidates in the door. I know Lara Talent, blah, 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 whatever. It just seems like everything's so bent towards remote work these days. It's really hard to find local people, you know? 
No, no one wants to go. No one wants to put pants on and go to an office. It's true. I can't blame them for that. It's true. But Central <laughs> Illinois, Bloomington Normal is a great place to be to raise kids. It's awesome. You should move here. That's what you should do. Yeah, I'll hire you. I don't know. It snows over there. It does. And I don't really care for snow. So. All right. I'll stay here look, looking out the window. Blue skies, not a cloud. Uh, all right. All right. I can't blame you. All right, <laughs> <laughs> all right man. Sounds good. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you in a all couple right, weeks. Take it easy. Yep. Bye. See you all. Bye.